Hello, this is Eric Boyce, CEO and Chief Investment Officer for BKA Wealth Consulting. And welcome to Market Minutes for July 19th of 2021. Well, as we get into the news you can use over the last week, uh, I think a couple of uh, topics come to mind. Obviously, the Delta variant uh, is weighing a little bit on markets, so we've seen a little bit of a sell-off, even though we hit an all-time high in the S&P 500 on Monday. Uh, markets sold off thereafter. A little bit of fear that we might be hitting peak uh, growth uh, in the economy. Uh, we're expecting a very, very strong uh, economic growth data print uh, here uh, over the uh, coming month. Uh, and uh, But uh, as we're watching earnings too, uh, it's interestingly enough, we had uh, record earnings at, uh, at the banks, but uh, bank stocks sold off. And so we've seen a little bit of a sell-off and value, more so in value relative to growth, where value stocks have been really strong over the last handful of months. And so that temporarily reversed. Uh, I think we're going to see continued shifts in that area. Uh, and I do think that, uh, you know, as I've been talking about for several weeks, that we run the risk, if you will, of having a market pullback. And I think there's some data that I saw in the commentary from Sandy Leeds over the weekend, which uh, kind of leads me to think that we're not headed for a full-blown uh, correction, which would be 10% downside from the peak. Uh, but I do think a 5% pullback is, is well within the possibility uh, here as we look ahead to uh, the week to come. But, you know, if we look at the, at the prior week, most of the equity indices were down. We saw half a point, uh, excuse me, half a percent decline on the Dow Jones, almost a full percentage point down on the S&P 500. Uh, and we saw really kind of more pronounced declines in small cap, uh, mid cap, both on the value and growth side. Value was down about 1.3%, whereas uh, growth was down only about seven tenths of a percent. So that was that uh, kind of that differential I was talking about. Emerging markets uh, were actually the lone bright spot. They were up almost 2% uh, for the week. But as we look at year to date, you know, the SP 500 is still up. Uh, about 15.2%, Dow Jones up 13.3%, NASDAQ up 11.9%, uh, IFA, uh, which is kind of the international basket, if you will, uh, up about 7.2%, the MSCI World Index about 12.4%, so pretty respectable there. Uh, and then if you get down to EM, emerging markets is only up about 4% year to date, which on a normal year would not be terribly bad. Uh, volatility year-to-date is uh, down 4.3 uh, uh, from, from a year ago, even though it did pick up uh, quite a bit over this last week. And if you look at bonds and the Barclays aggregate, uh, returns are still negative to the tune of almost 1% for year-to-date. Uh, Investment-grade bonds down about a half percent, and high-yield bonds are actually up almost 4%. A remarkable development as we've seen credit spreads really compress amidst this view that we have kind of this uh, uh, recovery that's ensued. Um, crude prices were off a little bit uh, uh, and 4% uh, uh, last week based on the this uh, purported agreement at the OPEC plus level to increase production by about 400,000 barrels. Uh, gold uh, is, is up for the month about 2.5%. To about 18, 15 uh, per ounce, uh, although down still 4.2% year to date. Dollar 
is up about 3% uh, year to date, and Bitcoin uh, is down. The, the roller coaster continues there. Bitcoin month to date is down about 8%, but up about 9.8% for the year. Uh, and uh, so we'll continue to watch that roller coaster. So high yield bonds, uh, as I mentioned, uh, show continued compression. Interestingly enough, uh, 10 year treasury uh, yields ended the week uh, amidst this kind of this this speculation of slowing growth and, uh, or excuse me, uh, rolling off of peak growth uh, and the coronavirus uh, issues uh, closed at 1.29, and that is actually up 38 basis points uh, year to date after falling 100 basis points a year ago. But interestingly enough, as I said, on the high yield bond side, uh, those um, uh, rates are down 78 basis points. So you know, while treasury rates are up, uh, high yield bonds are up are down significantly. So, uh, so high yield bonds. That's why high yield bonds have performed positively. Uh, so, as we look at the, uh, you know, at the backdrop, uh, the economy, inflation, uh, obviously the, the the other thing that we're worried about, or we're watching at least, uh, was up nine tenths of a percent in June. Far ahead of expectations and the inflation rate effectively off that number uh, on an annualized basis is 5.4% year over year. Uh, and that was up over the last month. And so we saw core inflation, which removes food and energy was up nine tenths of a percent or four and a half percent year over year, which represents the highest uh, point in, uh, that we've seen in 30 years on that. And, uh, and I thought it was notable that even if you back out uh, the kind of the volatile elements that really contributed like, you know, hospitality and travel and used car prices and things like that. You back out all those things, inflation was still running uh, about 3.4%. Uh, so that's well above the Fed's target. And I think it's adding fuel to the fire for this notion that the Fed is going to begin tapering uh, sooner uh, rather than later. And, and what does that mean? It means actually uh, curtailing its purchases of assets to try to keep uh, interest rates uh, low. And uh, I think the first whiff that we're going to get of that is going to come next month when uh, the Kansas City Fed uh, holds its annual symposium at Jackson Hole. And that's usually been uh, a, a telegraphing mechanism for what the Fed's really thinking. And I think the rhetoric is going to pick up about this tapering sooner. So this will come... The tapering will come well before interest rate increases come. Uh, but, you know, again, if we continue to see strong data on the inflation front, I think the likelihood of a faster tapering environment, uh, and frankly, I mean, we might even see it by the end of the year. Uh, and then with the first interest rate increase, perhaps uh, the second half uh, towards the end of 2022. Uh, but... In any case, uh, we'll, we'll just have to monitor that. So obviously plane tickets, hotel, used cars, all of that uh, added into that price game. So retail sales were up uh, six tenths uh, of a percent. Uh, and I thought that that was, um, uh, that was very surprising. Economists had expected a decline actually. Uh, and if you exclude autos, retail sales were up 1.3%. Uh, again, pretty strong. I mean, it, it kind of alleviated some concerns about uh, the prospects of a spending slowdown, even though on the flip side, we saw in the University of Michigan sentiment survey, it dropped uh, unexpectedly 
to its lowest level since February. Again, it's still at a relatively high level, so it's not, not something that we should lose sleep over. But it was real interesting to see where retail sales were up, uh, uh, consumer confidence, or excuse me, the sentiment, rather, index uh, was, uh, was down. Uh, but other data, we had initial jobless claims were down 26,000 to 360,000. Uh, and uh, then we also got a, a Chinese economic growth print. They were up 7.9%. Uh, it represents a slowing, uh, but it is still a pretty strong number uh, versus a year ago in uh, the three months ending June. And uh, let's see, that's probably enough on the data points. Uh, per se. So, um, and just talking about the, um, I guess, elements of the market, you know, which I thought were interesting, looking at Sandy Leeds' um, commentary from the weekend, I thought it was really interesting that excluding SPACs, we've had 215 companies go public on U.S. exchanges this year, and they've raised about $85 billion. And so we're on a record year pace, right? So, but 40% of those IPOs are already trading below their IPO price. And only 27% of those companies that have gone public actually made a profit in their last fiscal year. So while we're adding equity supply to the mix, we're not adding high quality. And I thought that was really interesting. Now, with regard to this whole notion of are we on pace for a pullback, right? Um, there have been 48 instances, and this comes from the Reform Broker site. Uh, and again, I read this in Sandy's newsletter. But there have been 48 instances where the S&P 500 was in a drawdown of 5% from all-time highs. And in 17 of those 48 instances, uh, the drawdown actually extended to 10%. So a minority number. Again, this kind of gives me a little bit of comfort thinking, all right, while the, the probabilities are not terribly high for a full contraction, uh, because the economy is still growing, it's just that, that there's this fear of inflation and this uh, notion of consolidating gains out there. And then you add to that this additional you know, news flow about uh, the Delta variant uh, picking up steam in certain areas and two athletes in the Olympic Village now have tested positive. And you know, it's just a reason for people to, to want to sell and take profits. And going a little bit further, uh, what I can tell you is that in nine of those 48 instances did the drawdown actually extend to 20% or more. So, and those were the nine bear markets of the last 60 years. So uh, the, the, the data is not real strong that we're going to have a significant uh, uh, drawdown, but, no, but we could have a pullback, which I think is very, very healthy. Uh, I'm not averse to that. It gives us buying opportunities. Uh, and again, I mean, I think in some respects, we've tried to prepare a little bit uh, for this eventuality. And uh, so we'll just have to see if it really manifests uh, into that. So uh, looking at uh, economic growth that we're going to have, we're going to get the first reading of this uh, here in uh, about another week or so. And the estimate now is that we're going to have about an 8% growth rate annualized. Uh, and that it represents an acceleration from the 6.4% that we had in the first quarter. Uh, and, you know, again, it represents uh, year over year, so there's some base effects there. Uh, obviously, we're coming out of a pandemic, so you expect those numbers to be high. Uh, but you know, I, I think it's it, it is reasonable to assume assume uh, that uh, that maybe we have achieved peak growth because you don't have a contraction like we did last year, 
and not have some really, really outsized growth on the back end of that when you correct. Uh, and it, as we've shown in, in, in these market minutes and also the sister webcast for charts of the week where the market has historically had a fair amount of staying power even after you hit peak growth. I mean, that the cycle could extend for literally years uh, into the future uh, after you've actually hit peak growth. So I don't worry so much if that is the case. I still think we grow. We just don't grow as much. And I don't worry about that. In fact, I would absolutely look for economic growth to slow in the second half uh, and, and even more uh, next year, uh, but still be positive. So it, it, you look at the drivers in the second quarter and what's going to help us and maybe what's going to hurt us. So I do think um, you know inventories are going to be helpful. Uh, we do have uh, we know that inventories have been drawn down. We know that supply chains are still disrupted, and so it's hard to really ratchet up production in a lot of cases because of these choke points. But I do think inventories are going to help. I do think net trade is going to be uh, a detractor because we are uh, we are um, recovering at a faster pace in the U.S. than other areas, especially Europe. So government spending is kind of what it is. Um, again, I think that's going to contribute. Home building will contribute, but I think, you know, I would expect growth uh, or contribution to growth from home building to be more pronounced in the coming months. We saw over the last quarter some really high lumber prices and we saw labor constraints and things like that. We did see a, a kind of a rolling over in some of the home building statistics that have been really strong. Now, obviously, price is not one of them. So, uh, But home construction, I think, will benefit more in the coming months, although it will, I think, contribute to second quarter growth. Business investment, we still see a lot of capital spending on the part of businesses, uh, particularly in, in equipment and technology. Uh, so that will help. And then, as we've already mentioned, consumption. The consumer has just been, been very strong. And that's been you know, one of the one of the really bright shining spots, uh, certainly of 2021, but also uh, even looking back uh, last year in the pandemic, as we watched all those uh, uh, online retailers really surge in the wake of these lockdowns. But um, just other things to um, to consider, I guess. Um, you know, we talked about growth. Um, you know, so we, we talked about growth being eight, maybe even nine percent. Uh, uh, again, monetary policy, I think we'll start to hear about tapering next month. Uh, and, um, and then on uh, peak earnings, uh, again, I think S&P earnings grew roughly about 50% in the first quarter. We're expecting anywhere between 60 and 70% uh, in the second quarter. I mean, really tremendous numbers. Uh, and then if you look into the third and fourth quarter, those numbers drop down to you know, kind of around 20%. And so you you have really high expectations uh, right now for earnings. Uh, and I think we're getting some good reports. Uh, again, I, I think the expectations are, you know, CEOs are going to talk about being a little bit more cautious. They're going to talk about supply chain constraints. They're going to talk about prices for sure. Uh, input costs, uh, as well as uh, hopefully their ability to gain price on the back end. Uh, so that margins won't be uh, won't be adversely impacted, but uh, I do think uh, I, I I do think that you know earnings growth uh, you know certainly 
can't go higher than 60 to 70 percent. Uh, but again, I don't worry about if that looks like 20 percent year over year in the back half of the year. I'm I'm totally okay with that. Uh, I do think it's going to be less than that in 2022. So just to set the expectations bar. Um, and then real quick on, uh, I guess, uh, the outlook uh, on the markets, uh, which are a little worried about growth rates. They're worried a little bit about the Delta variant. Uh, bond markets, you know, with interest rates moving down, kind of flashing a little caution signal there. Um, so we want to pay attention to that. Uh, I do think, you know, we're going to have above average E overall economic growth into next year. Uh, I, I think maybe the Delta variants will will put uh, more uh, impetus into uh, you know getting people vaccinated. Perhaps I don't know. Uh, and then the consumer remains strong. Consumer balance sheets are fantastic right now, uh, and uh, so uh, and I think that's that's going to be helpful. And I do think um, the global backdrop is going to improve, and I wouldn't be at all surprised. Uh, if in a year we look at the international returns uh, maybe being more favorable over a 12-month period than the domestic uh, rate of return on, on our domestic uh, equity markets. Um, so that's something that we want to consider in terms of our allocations and exposure uh, to, uh, to international markets, in particular maybe even emerging markets. So um, uh, on the Washington scene, you know, we did have uh, a... a an approval by Senate Democrats uh, for a three and a half trillion dollar budget resolution. Uh, again, that kind of uh, is going to fund some soft infrastructure items, uh, and it's kind of separate from this one point two trillion dollar bipartisan bill for hard infrastructure that's now being negotiated. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, whether three and a half trillion <laughs> is going to hit the uh, uh, is going to hit the on ramp, but. I do think there's going to be an infrastructure bill uh, later this year, and I hope it does address, address some of the core investment areas like roads and bridges. And it was, uh, if you saw the charts of the week, I ended uh, with a chart uh, specifically on uh, failing bridges. And it's astounding the percent of, of st uh, the, the states with a high percent of uh, bridges that are not deemed to be uh, to have structural or, or that are deemed to have structural deficiencies, and so I do hope that we see some infrastructure spending, but not the egregious level that's going to just simply add to our money supply. Um, but let's see if, uh, what else I want to say. Uh, talked about economic growth. Talked about volatility. I think it's going to remain a little elevated as uh, investors digest. The Delta earnings growth, you know, high valuations and and low interest rates amidst high inflation, which is rather odd. Uh, let's see. Uh, we talked about second quarter earnings, uh, COVID cases. Again, I don't think, uh, you know, even with the rise in cases, it, there's a massive resistance factor uh, for um, lockdown. So I don't think we're going to see that. Uh, and then... Uh, uh, I guess the, the other takeaway from uh, bank earnings last week is, you know, households and businesses are both in really good shape. Um, and so that, that was really good to, 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 to hear as well. But, you know, that, that's really it for uh, the week. Uh, 
that has passed. Um, I do think that uh, uh, we're going to have a lot of interesting movements in the market this week, so we're certainly watching that. And uh, welcome your questions, uh, comments, cares, concerns. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this broadcast. On behalf of the entire team at BKA, I certainly hope you have a great week, and we look forward to catching up with you again next week. Take care. Bye-bye.